Hi, welcome to Temple Carrig podcast. Uh, I'm Julie and I'm with Ali and Leah and today we have a special guest, Josh, and we're just going to interview him about his life and some interesting stuff that's happened to him. Okay, our first question is, where did you grow, grow up? Right, okay. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm excited to be on here. Um, so I grew up in Greystones. I was born and raised. I'm what they call a Greystones purebred. Um, so I was born actually just beside, just up from the marina. Um, and I was born there with my lovely two parents, my mum and dad. And then I have two older sisters. Um, so I'm kind of that spoilt youngest brother, which I'm sure many people know. Um, but yeah, I spent pretty much my whole life here. Um, I actually never moved house until I was, I think, 19. So I spent my whole time in this community here in Greystones, um, for better or for worse. But yeah, this is where I am. Okay, and our next question then is, what was like your childhood like growing up in Greystones? Yeah, uh, I would say I had a very positive childhood. Um, I yeah, absolutely. I think things went well for me. Um, I was very fortunate to, to grow up in such a nice town. Uh, I know a lot of people give out of Greystones, but actually, we d- we do have so much going for us here. Um, I had all my friends here. All my cousins lived in the same area as well, which is great. Um, and. My whole family is quite outdoorsy, so I spent a lot of time doing kind of outdoor activity. Um, water has always been kind of the place that I love being more than anything in the world. Um, so having the having the sea so close to me, I spent pretty much all my time down at the down at the harbour. I would be kayaking, paddleboarding, or just swimming and jumping off the old harbour. Uh, I'm in the new harbour now still. Um, so yeah, I had quite a very positive kind of childhood growing up, um, and I had all my friends here from because I went to primary school in St Patrick's, uh, which meant that all my like club friends were all local, which was great. Um, and then I went to church as well, which meant kind of everything that I was involved in was in this community, um, which was really yeah, it was really nice. Um, and then, what was your school life like? Yeah. Okay. So my school life. Um, how do I sum it up? Um, so I went, as I said, I went to school in St. Patrick's National School, um, which I actually, I really enjoyed. Um, I've always, yeah, there was kind of the extra extra curricular I, I loved. Um, and St. Patrick's was a positive experience. And then when I finished there, I went to East Glenlock, well before there was Temple Carrigan and that in Greystones. I actually applied to go into St. David's, but they were fully, uh, fully enrolled. So I didn't get in. So I went it down to East Glenlock, which was about a 40 minute drive away. Um, and there I I started liking school the very first and second year. I actually I enjoyed it as much as I could. Um, most of the subjects I did okay in, um, but it wasn't until about third year that I started to be that annoying student that I give out to. Uh, so I see myself and many of our students here today. Um, I just, I found it hard to kind of have kind of concentration in school I was very distracted I would be that student who just stares out the window or I used to take my compass apart endlessly um, I remember endlessly taking the screws and the tables and then flipping the table upside down and then trying to screw it back in taking chairs apart so I was very fidgety and I'm sure I was a teacher's nightmare um, and then in the kind of fourth fifth and sixth I just really started to get fed up in school um, I didn't enjoy the the academics side of things. Um, I think Temple Carrig is so fortunate that we have so much extra care for people with dyslexia or ADD or ADHD. 
um, which is brilliant. And in Glenlock, they did a really good job, but I had dyslexia growing up and it wasn't recognised until I was a little bit older. Um, and so a lot of the time in school, it felt like you kind of had these two different separation, people who were kind of excelled in academics and people who didn't. And it was quite an obvious divide. And the concentration sometimes was given to people who excelled in academics. And for anybody else, you probably didn't get as much attention. So I started to lose interest. Um, I think teachers probably thought I was just disengaged, wasn't bothered, so maybe they kind of separate themselves a little bit too. Um, and we, as I said, we didn't have as much. We had one or two great teachers who spent a lot of time with me, which is great, and other people who had ADD or dyslexia, whatever it was. Um, but for myself, I kind of struggled, and I started to lose interest more and more as the years went on. Fourth year was a fantastic year because we got to do what you guys do, do the podcast club, and we got to go out on different activities, and it was more hands-on, so I really excelled in that. But when I came back to fifth and sixth year, things started to go downhill, um, and I started getting a lot more trouble. Um, I shouldn't be really admitting this to a Temple Carrick podcast. Um, not exactly what you want to be hearing. But no, I just, yeah, I started to get in a lot more trouble in school. Um, and I honestly just couldn't wait to get out of school. I remember doing the, the CEO form and everything like that for the fifth and sixth year. Um, and I just wasn't even bothered filling the form out. Um, I just wanted to get out and start working. That was my main goal. Was I didn't understand why I should stay in so long in school and not be paid. I kept asking the school, I kept asking the question, why am I doing something I'm not getting paid for? I'm working all these hours and I'm in here for so long, but I don't get paid. What's the point? Um, what did you want to do when you were in school? Um, so what I want to do in school? Um, yeah, as I said, I didn't, I didn't have many ambitions when I was younger. I didn't really think about it, to be honest. I was kind of too busy having a fun time with my friends and just kind of concentrating on the things I liked. I didn't really think too long term. Um, but as in fifth and sixth year, like a lot of the students in Temple Carrick, the pressure starts to rise because you start to hear so many people like, oh, I'm going to become a nurse or I'm going to become a teacher. And you're like, and the people are like, well, what are you going to do? And you're like, uh... I don't know. Um, and I was that kind of student who just, I just didn't really understand what I wanted to do. I went on a few college trips to, to UCD. Uh, I went to Carlo IT and I was really interested in doing aeronautical engineering. Um, but it just wasn't for me. I just kind of was fed up of being told what to do and to kind of sit down and, and, and be in school that I just decided I really wanted a break from all that. And so in f I kind of decided in, in fifth and sixth year that I actually just wanted to get out and do my own thing and work and then probably I would go back to college that was kind of my plan um, I didn't have a definite plan but the idea of going straight into college just didn't didn't suit me I was spent so long doing it that I didn't I didn't want to go straight back into something where more, more a structured system um, and kind of sit and be lectured to again I was ready to live my own life at that age um, out of your whole like school experience, is there anything you wish you'd done or like done differently or just like any regrets or anything? In school? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah well, actually quite a few. <laughs> I don't know where to start the re regret list. Um, at that age, yeah, I definitely have some regrets. Funny enough, my I kind of, for years I had... I was always very happy with the decisions I made not going to college straight away. Um, but one of the things I actually talked to some past students and, and, and students at the moment in school is that um, when we talk to college, I think the idea of a gap year sounds brilliant um, because you think of this year that you can kind of go traveling and do what you want and make some money. Um, but what you don't think about is kind of 
after that. Um, and I think one of the regrets I do have is not getting the college stuff done out of the way. Um, you may not love it straight away, but at least it, you're kind of on the road to finishing your degree or your diploma or whatever it is. Um, I found myself kind of after the year I finished school, a lot of my friends were in the second year or whatever it was of college. And I had thought then, should I go to college? But then I was kept thinking to myself, well, I'm two years behind. They're going to be finished college when I'm just starting. Um, and I think one of the big regrets was trying to not just kind of spend a bit more time listening to my guidance teachers. Um, and yeah, I guess applying for a college, even if I wasn't fully interested in the subject, but just picking something to kind of start that degree. Because um, I kind of figured out after in life that it's something that is important, not for everybody, but for me, it would have definitely helped to get that done out of the way and then left, did what I wanted to do. Uh, when you left school, what did you do like in your career? Yeah, um, so as I said, um, when I left school, um, I remember graduating, and at that stage, I was uh, not the best example, so I said, I shouldn't even be saying this in Temple Carrick, but I didn't actually end up putting anything on my CEO, I left it completely blank, because um, at that stage, I made my mind up that college wasn't for me, um, I just wanted to get out and work, so when I graduated, I actually, um, I specifically remember sitting in Greystones Park. It's still a memory that I have like to this day. I can tell you exactly what day and what time it was. And I was sitting in the park and we got our results and everybody was getting their results by, um, you used to get them by post or you got, went into the school and got them. And I remember receiving them and we went, we went down to the park and we got the results. And I remember opening them up and all my friends had these aims of going to colleges and all the, the points that they needed. And a lot of them got into the different courses and I was kind of sitting there like, oh, I, maybe I should have done exactly what my teachers were telling me to do. But it, it wasn't for me. Um, and I remember opening up the results and just kind of making sure I didn't um, fail anything because that was my main results. You asked me earlier, kind of, did I enjoy school? And one of the things that I just really didn't like people saying is like, you know, telling you you're going to fail school and that. So it was more of a challenge to me just to pass everything, which I did. And then I pretty much ripped up my results and never. So people ask me what I got my leaving cert. I have no idea. I didn't never added the points up, which don't do. Don't do that in life. Um, don't rip your results up. But yeah, I never added my results up. So I've, to this day, I don't know what I did. Um, but so then I wanted to get a job. And as I said, I sit in that park and considered a blessing or whatever you want, complete coincidence. But a friend of mine, or an older friend, kind of rang me up uh, that exact time of day and said, listen, you've always been a swimmer, um, which I was growing up in my life, I was always a swimmer. Um, you've always been a, a confident swimmer. They're building a new gym, which is now Shoreline in Greystones. Would you fancy applying for uh, a job as a lifeguard? And so I was like, absolutely, that's the perfect thing I want to do. And I just finished school. So as soon as I did that, I applied and I got the job um, down in Shoreline before it even opened, which is 2008. Um, so I got a job there just as I graduated. Uh, and that kind of started me on my career path. I was there for six years. Um, yeah, I don't know if you want me to go into everything from there. Yeah, yeah. Well, there, I started working there um, and absolutely loved it. It was exactly where I wanted to be. As I said, college wasn't for me, school wasn't for me, but now I was actually in the workforce, making money, building really good friends there. Um, and I was with water. What else could I ask for? Um, and I said, I swam competitively and, and swam for different clubs and 
Um, and then the idea of actually coaching was it was so appealing to me. So I started getting the coaching coaching certificate and become a, a, a swimming teacher as well. I think I taught a lot of Temple Carrick students in this school. Um, but yeah, so I started doing that, and I just absolutely had just so much fun. I was kind of living the best way to describe it, I was living my college lifestyle without being in college. Um, some of my friends that were in work together they actually were college age as well, and so we used to go out and do the usual college stuff, but actually while working as well. Um, and I just, I just think I was always born to be kind of a, I've just in my blood to be a hard worker. Um, and so I spent hours kind of doing overtime, doing everything they asked me for. Um, and yeah, as I said, I just really I thrived in that situation that they decided to kind of promote me in different ways. And I moved up, I guess the ranks in, in the gym and, um, then I decided to go do sales after a while. So I became um, kind of sales manager of the gym for a long time um, and loved that different aspect to it. Um, but it was a different field, but I love sales. I love talking to people. I love the challenge of sales um, and I thrived in that as well. But that was were five years on, four years on. Um, and so I think I kind of needed a change at that point. Um, and that's where I kind of went into the next stage of life, I would guess. Um, can I ask you how you got into like, you know, working with like youth and like, I don't know how to put it into words, but mm -hmm. you know, you know, basically the job you do now. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's very different than, well, maybe not so different than coaching. Um, but yeah, so that story, I guess, begins with kind of how my life kind of changed when I was working for when I was in high school and then also working for the gym in those years between kind of 18 and 20, my life kind of changed um, in many ways. Uh, my friend groups, I don't know how to say it, they kind of went down a different road than I was planning to go down. Um, they were involved in a lot of drinking um, and drugs became a huge um, topic within my friend group. Um, and I wasn't so much into it, but I started to see the effect of these drugs and alcohol and this kind of party scene. And I kind of, people always tell you like, don't do drugs and don't drink and don't do this and don't do that, especially as a young teenager. Um, but sometimes they, don't, they forget to tell you why. And I never knew why and I never understood why. Um, and so I kind of lived in that circle of those people. Um, and I'm still very good friends with a huge group of those people. Um, but yeah, I guess as the years went on and I saw my friends involved in that scene and I was kind of a part of it with them, um, I started to see the effects of it. Um, and I had an amazing youth worker because I was involved in the church all my life. I had an amazing youth worker who never really judged me. I felt like a lot of people were judging me for the kind of people I was with. And I felt like I was, they all thought I was trying to be someone I'm not, whatever it was. But this youth worker used to just randomly text me and say, hey, do you want to go for a coffee on a Saturday? And I used to just love meeting up with him for a coffee and having a chat. And there was no judgment. He would say, oh, how was the party on Friday night? And I would say it was like this crazy big party with hundreds of people there and it was a disaster, whatever it was. And he would just ask questions about it in a non-judgmental way. And he was so supportive and just kind of a bit of encouragement um, within the school as well. Um, or sorry, within the kind of my Christian faith as well, but done in a really positive way. Uh, I knew he always had my back and I knew he always wanted me to maybe refrain from exactly what life I was doing, um, but just kind of push me in a positive way. Uh, and so I knew that he was always there for me, but I continued to live the life that I was doing. Um, and it wasn't until I was about 22 or 23, um, 
oh sorry um, it wasn't until I was about 22 or 23 that actually I started to see the f- real effects of um, life with drugs and alcohol and that lost I would put it as a lost life people searching for these things that doesn't really bring fulfillment it may do for the 12 hours or 6 hours whatever it is but long term I think it just leaves a bigger hole um, and unfortunately I actually lost two friends of mine um, two drugs which is quite a severe thing um, but in my small community in Greystones I saw two people um, lose their lives from uh, from drugs um, and so I just needed to get away I was desperate it was I was broken hearted like one of them was my, my best friend's brother and another one was someone I was very good friends with um, and at that stage like this kind of darkness surrounded myself um, and I just felt like if I keep going down this road and I'm with these people um, and I don't do anything like this is where I'm heading um, and so I just said I need to get out of here I need to leave um, and I had thankfully because of my job in Shoreline I had saved up all this money and I I knew the importance of having that youth work like I did because I had that youth worker who was kind of close to me um, and he kind of suggested to get out go 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 somewhere else and so i bought a ticket to america and i applied for a visa um for a volunteer visa to go over to america uh, and i'd already been there for the summer like two years ago two previous years and i absolutely loved it because it just felt like i was a million miles away from everything and i decided to work um, and volunteer with a company called young life um, and i volunteered with what they call urban young life so it was in the inner city um area in america I lived in Grand Rapids and did a good bit of work there and also in Detroit. So what we call like the ghetto. I, I was the only white person for miles away. Uh, it was the opposite of what Temple Carrig is. But I wanted to, I've seen the life that I was living and I saw the positive effects that a positive role ma- uh, model can have and a positive male role model on these students. And so I saw the effects and I got away and I guess I really got connected with my faith again um, I saw what life can not maybe for everybody but for me personally what life without having that faith can look like and uh, having hope I think we all search for hope and for me hope in, in my faith was huge and I saw when I didn't have that where my life was ending up um, yeah and so I, I continued to work there for I think two years and um, it was a really positive experience I really as I said grew on my faith and I helped with young people I worked in like just like I do in Temple Carrick I taught a few classes I took kids out for lunch and dinners these kids came from extreme broken backgrounds and the kids would be in a lot of violence in gangs there was a lot of guns in fact they had metal detectors in in the classrooms are going into school they weren't allowed to bring any sharp objects or any books any school bags any pencil cases anywhere um, they were searched most days um, so it was a very extreme school a lot of them would end up in prison um, but I just wanted to kind of try be a positive role model and be someone who can kind of influence them and try pull them back mm. from the lifestyle that they were living is there like out of that whole experience do you think there's something that like what's like one thing that just really stood out to you you know while being there that might have been like different from your life living in Greystones or you know what I mean Mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh, well, even to this day, I often tell people like the, the year and a half or two years I was there was the most influential two years of my life. Um, I lived sometimes the hardest parts of my life were there. I, one of the things that I just remember was when I flew in, I had all these ideas in my head. This is going to be amazing and I'm going to make new friends and I'm going to live in America. And uh, my girlfriend at the time, which is now my wife, was living in Kansas City. So I was like, I'm finally in the same country as her. I'm not doing long distance, uh, which is very exciting for us. 
And so I arrived there and had all these ambitions and goals and I just thought the world of it. And I lived in this um, apartment in the middle of nowhere, uh, or sorry, not in the middle of nowhere, but in this kind of city in, 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 in Grand Rapids. Um, and I had no car. I didn't know anybody. Um, I had no job lined up really. Um, and I just remember being in the apartment for the first few weeks being, I've never felt lonely before because Greystone is such a tight knit community. Even on a sad, lonely day, you can still go for a walk and you see people you know. Where there I knew absolutely nobody. And so for the f- and it was snowing and miserably cold outside. And for the first three weeks I sat in that place with no internet, no TV, and no belongings. I only had a suitcase and the, the house wasn't even furnished, so it was completely empty. And I just remember that time just being obviously for me, for my faith, relying on my faith. Um but I think having that really hard experience actually made the positives yeah. even more positives, um, which was huge yeah. for me. Um, so then what brought you back to Greystone? Yeah, um, so after that I spent, yes, two years there and I dreaded leaving because a lot of these kids I worked with actually, one of the things they really suffered with was people kind of investing in their lives and then leaving and that's the last thing I wanted to be because a lot of the parents are in jail or drug addicts um, and I didn't want to build a strong relationship and then just leave. So was actually when you were saying us earlier on what was one of the hardest parts is leaving is the honest answer um saying about those kids my visa had run out so i had to go home my plan was to go home and, and redo the visa and then hop back on a plane pretty much in a few months but it just didn't turn out that way um and so life kind of took its own turn and i came back to Greystones and a different person i had such a stronger faith i knew what my life wanted to be i knew that working with young people was kind of my passion um i love talking to people um i love talking to young people and um, hearing their stories i have compassion and empathy um for what for their lives and so brought that kind of brought me back and when i saw Greystones, i was like i could either leave this town that i grew up in and do nothing about it and i could go to another country or maybe actually Maybe God's plan is actually for me to learn what I've learned over there and use some of my story to help young people of Greystones or even Ireland. And so I came back um, and I worked with, um, I tried to get a job in sales, which I did. And I lived that lifestyle and got all the money and it looked glamorous from the outside, drove all the fancy cars. But again, it just wasn't what I needed to do. Um, I thought it was making the money and living and driving the Ferraris and stuff it looked on the outside looked amazing but ultimately um, being with young people and helping young people was kind of my passion so I still remember meeting Mr. Cox who was my principal in school I met him up in the amphitheatre for one of the plays up there um, and I said to him I was like if you ever need somebody to come into the school to give talks or do an assembly I would love to come in to meet some of these young people and he said yeah and five years later I ended up working here full time for the last yeah five years now in, in Temple Carrick and yeah absolutely and my wife she moved to Ireland which I guess that makes a big change as well <laughs> yeah um thank you so much I think that's yeah. it that was really interesting oh, <laughs> thank no you problem. for sharing it with yeah. us oh, thank you very much for having me anytime um, I've got a lot more to say but yeah it's hard to fit it all in yeah, a short another time episode another episode another episode too absolutely <laughs> yeah thank okay, you so much thank you thank you Hello and welcome back to our podcast. I'm Kieran Purcell. We're here with Juliet and Leah and we're interviewing a very special guest, Mr. Cleary. Hello. Hel- Hi there. <laughs> uh, so today we're just going to interview Mr. Cleary about some interesting things in his life. Um, it's very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so our first question is, where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in Sally Noggin in Dublin. Um, 
it's a community just close to between Dunleary and Ballybrack. Um, and that's when I spent my primary school years. And at the end of the primary school, I moved to Dalkey. Um, and then I moved to Galway. And I lived in Galway for six years uh, after I finished secondary school. And then after Galway, I lived around the world for two years before coming back and moving to Wicklow. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a lot of moving around. What kind of places did you travel to? Um, In the two years that I was away? Yeah. Uh, I travelled to India, spent a lot of time in India, um, and I spent some time in Nepal, Uganda, Greece, Laos, Cambodia, Vietnam, Thailand, um, and then Newfoundland and North America as well. What was your like favourite place to travel to? Um, probably either India or Nepal. Uh, I'm gonna say India. I spent the longest time there, and I got to know the people there the best. And I worked and lived in a community there for a while, and I absolutely loved it. If you were to go back to one of them, which would you choose? Yeah, interestingly, I would probably go back to Nepal first, just because of the Himalayas. I spent three weeks hiking in the Himalayas there, and it's the most spectacular experience I've ever had. And I would, yeah, that would be the first place I want to go back to. Do you have any like interesting stories from? Your travels, like anything happened that was kind of... Um, I have a number I have a number of interesting stories. I don't know which one you want to hear. Uh, I was... I suppose the most dramatic thing that happened, um, which I was telling my six years about recently, and they didn't believe me, was that I was held at gunpoint for about 24 hours in oh a God. village in um, Laos. Uh, because I had unwittingly travelled on a motorbike into the demilitarised zone there, uh, and they were not welcoming. Oh, wow. That must have been so scary. Um, so our next question was, um, like, what was your childhood like? How was, like, growing up for you? Um, growing up was great. I, I guess when you're a kid, you don't really... Or certainly at that stage, uh, not to get onto my hobby horse, but we didn't have social media, so we couldn't compare our lives to everybody else's. I gr- in my primary school years, we didn't have any money. My family didn't have any money, so um, we it was quite hard. But I didn't know. It was hard for my parents, but I didn't realise at the time because I just thought that's the way everybody lived. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have specific memories of coming home, and because the heating had been turned off by the council in our house because we couldn't pay for it, mm-hmm. my mother had... Uh, she had the oven on and she had our feet <laughs> uh, she turned the oven on and she sat with me on her knee with our feet in the oven to keep ourselves warm uh, when the oil had run out uh, for the heating <laughs> um, uh, What was your life like in school? Uh, in primary school or secondary school? I think um, secondary school Yeah. Secondary school I so in primary school, I went to a primary school called uh, Johnstown, Johnstown Boys National School um, in Ballybrack. And then in we, my father went back to college and uh, started to earn more money. And we moved uh, at the end of primary school. We moved to a house in Dalkey and I um, got accepted into Blackrock College. And at that stage, they could afford to send me there. And... Secondary school life was really 
uh, it was difficult, I think. Um, I did well in school and I did well in all my subjects, but I wasn't from the same community that the other guys in Black Rock were from, and I yeah. didn't fit in as well as I as others did, I guess. But I also did discover theatre in Black Rock, and I got parts in the shows, and that led to a life and uh, you know a short career in in theatre and acting as well, and I suppose led to what I'm doing now in the school. Yeah. Do you think? Your secondary school life would be, like, your experience in secondary school would be different if you went to school now in yeah. Blackrock College? Oh, in Blackrock, yeah, it definitely would be. I, I actually had the privilege to go back and teach there um, for a year, and I had very preconceived notions of what it was going to be like having spent my student days there, but actually going back as a teacher, this the the school had become so much more diverse and so much more supportive of every single person's interests and every single person's, mm-hmm. like what we've always done in Tampa Carrick, that I was I was quite impressed um, with uh, the boys' experience in there now. It's very different to the one I had when I was there. Would you say you would have preferred to maybe go to a public secondary school? It's so hard to say. It's so hard to, to say wh- which of those situations would have been better for any one person. Um, There are aspects, having become a teacher now, obviously I have very strong opinions about education and the education system. And I suppose the best way of demonstrating that opinion would be to say I'm working in a mixed public school Mm -hmm. um, by choice. Uh, And, but I can't say that theater is such a massive part of my life and became such a, like it was the primary part of my life for a long time, I'm not sure I would have discovered that in another school, and at the risk of not having found that, I would never regret going to Blackrock. It, mm. it taught me lots of really brilliant things, and I met some amazing people there. Uh, what got you into theatre and that kind of stuff? Um, well, I, I'd been at school plays when I was in primary school, uh, small parts, <laughs> and then when I went to Blackrock, I there there were no junior plays uh, in the school when I was there, so you, you couldn't do anything. Um, and I, in fact, I wanted to be a lawyer. That's I I focused on uh, law, and I wanted to be a lawyer um, until I got to transition year. And the t- the students in transition year actually at the time weren't even allowed to be in the sh- senior show. It's the only show that was in the school at the time. But I missed uh, a sports event um, and I was hanging around in the school and the director who normally directs the shows wasn't doing it that year. So there was a new director in and he didn't know what year people were in. So I lied and said Mm -hmm. I was in fifth year and auditioned for the show. And by the time they realized what year I was in, because there was huge numbers in our years, there's 200 uh, students per year, uh, almost 200 students per year. And... um, and by the time they realised I was in fifth year, I'd gotten the lead role and they couldn't get rid of me. So they changed the rule. And, that, and, and that's how I got into it. And then I was in the shows for the next, for fourth year, fifth year and sixth year. And then in college, I went back and helped direct them and then worked for the school, directing them for a while and, and then went off and did a master's in drama and theatre to, to, and set up a theatre company, which we run for 10 years, which we ran for 10 years uh, in Galway. Is that theatre company still around today? No, we uh, it it started. To, to, I left Galway, uh, and it was still running when I left. But less and less people, I suppose, were involved, and they started focusing on more individual projects. And then eventually, it, I suppose, it had run its course, and we decided to close it. Um, but we're still in touch. All the people who worked as part of the theatre company are still in touch, and we meet up every year. 
um, to get together and reminisce and talk about what we're doing now. And when you like had left secondary school, is that when you went what you went to college for to study drama, or was it something else? No, I wanted to. I wanted to study drama. Um, actually, I wanted to just go and be an actor. Uh, but the uh, my parents were adamant that I go to university to get a degree, and I found a degree in acting in Trinity, and I got all of the auditions that I needed, and I got the points that I thought I was going to need. But that year, the course went up. There's only 12 places on the course and it went up to 560 points and I didn't have them. So I went into arts in UCD and I struggled a bit in that because I wasn't really sure what I was doing. But I just I chose English and sociology and focused a lot on the drama courses in the English course that were available there and worked as a director in mm-hmm. theatre at the time. And then I went on and did a master's in drama and theatre. And that's when I sort of got into the world of theatre and, and set up the theatre company. What's the most interesting production you've been involved in then? Oh, that's a very difficult question. Um, I was in... Uh, now, the most interesting show I've been involved in was a production called The Game. Uh, I was actually I was involved in it the year I, before I came to Temple Carrick. It was a production called The Game, and we actually worked with... Uh, women who were working as prostitutes at the time and it was exploring the dangers of that world and we were trying to bring that issue to the wider public and actually by the end of the run um, the laws were being changed at the time that's why the director had chosen to do it and we had um, the president of the country and uh, a number of senators come in to watch the show to inform themselves better about about the law that they were about to pass um, and it, it was generally to protect women more and to legislate for their protection in an industry that is overlooked and that there were no protections in at all mm. uh, at the time. Would you say that production is one of the reasons you're so interested in sexual education now in schools? It definitely opened my eyes. The whole idea of the production was to invite men to participate in it so that they could be educated and redress the idea of misogyny in Irish society. And even though I was involved in the early stages of production, it was probably the most educational experience for me as well. And yes, absolutely, it opened my eyes to a a part of our country uh, that I hadn't looked at before. Yeah, I think, sorry, I think it's just to answer, I don't think I answered Kieran's question properly. I think it is so important for young people to be educated as much as they possibly can on all aspects of that uh, side of life. Um, yeah, information is power. Still, um, is there any like dramas or like plays you'd like to have to like bring to our school? Like, is there any themes or any you know ideas you've had that you really like us to perform or you know? Yeah, there's loads, which is great because I won't run out of ideas. Um, but. Two that I would absolutely love. When we get the budget, when we have the right group and the right cast, I would absolutely love to put on uh, Les Mis. Um, and then the second one, when I have a first-year guy who turns up who can ballet dance, I would love to do Billy Elliot. Mm. They're just two of the shows that I feel like they mean so much to me and they're so um, exceptionally produced that, yeah, we'd need the right team, the right... I don't think yeah. we could ever do it as a TY show. I think it would have to be a whole school musical that we used all of the skills mm. and experience across the whole school to put them on. And, and we will so at some stage, but... May I ask, what's stopping us, let's say, for example, this or next year, doing a whole school musical? 
Not, necess- not necessarily Billy, Billy Elliot or Les Mis, but something else. Nothing. Uh, so there is a whole school musical in the, in the works, uh, and details of that will be announced um, uh, probably after the Easter holidays. Interesting. Do you want to maybe give us a teaser as to maybe what you're looking at for a potential... Absolutely not. Uh, maybe the T.Y. <laughs> musical as a potential teaser. <laughs> no, I won't. So, well, being totally honest about the T.Y. musical, that's our first project. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's coming up soon. And we are grappling at the moment with changing restrictions all the time. But yeah. we are happy to say that it is still going ahead. Um, but the reason that we haven't been able to choose one yet is because we have to audition the cast first because it would be irresponsible to choose a show and then force a cast to, to yeah. that it mightn't fit so we need to see who we've got we need to see the time that scale that we've got we need to see the team that we've got and we need to see what the year group is up for and what they're interested in and then we'll pick a show we always pick a show that we feel is going to be best for their skill set and best for what topics they need to look at do we maybe have a timeline as to when those auditions will happen yeah we're hoping that they're going to uh, happen as soon as we come back after the midterm and um, is that for all students all TY students. Yeah, all TY students. Yes, yeah, so all TY students will be auditioning. Uh, we don't know the numbers that we're going to be able to include in it yet. Uh, that's something that we're going to have to discuss as restrictions continue and as we see how the ground lies. At the moment, it looks like we're going to be in masks till February, which is going to make things a bit difficult for us. But we've decided that we're going to push through anyway with the help of and support of Mr. Wallace and Miss Halpin. Um, do you have any, like advice for anyone auditioning for plays or the TY musical? Like some of the first years today have an audition. Do you maybe have anything to say to them? What's the audition in the first years of today? Um, they have an audition for the panto. Ah, brilliant. Mm. Uh, yeah, what I would say in an audition is uh, people going to auditions are really nervous because they always feel like they have to, they have to, um, I mean, obviously you have to perform, but they have to show that they can do whatever the director wants them to do. What I would say is you don't need to be nervous. Just trust your director and the people who are auditioning you to be able to see what you're capable of and to include you in the best possible way they can, if they possibly can. Like our job in the school is to try and get as many people as possible into uh, onto the stage and into the experience. But they're never ever going to put a student in a situation where they're not going to be confident or they're going to be insecure or they're they're not going to uh, be proud of what they've done so I would just say be yourself show them what you could do and trust your director to put you where you're best placed thank you um yeah I think we'll leave it there for today thank you so much Mm. for being on the podcast with us my absolute pleasure (laughs) thank you all